Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 125. Domestic business is uh, highly energy import dependent, uh, since about 75% of required crude oil quantities are imported, out of which 20% from Russia. The risking was problem before war. It didn't start for Ukraine with the war. It was a problem before, but there are reasons for that, which are not related to Ukraine, but generally to the regulation in the world, generally to compliance procedures and so on. What EBRD is emphasizing is the community of banks, of customers, and everybody to get in touch one with each other and uh, well, make business together. My name is Dipesh Patel, editor at Trade Finance Global, and today's podcast is taken from the EBRD's Trade Facilitation Program Conference held in Austria. Today, we're talking about some of the big themes in trade finance and correspondent banking, particularly from an Eastern European perspective. We're in Vienna, which certainly does have historical significance in the context of this podcast topic. Vienna was founded in 15 BC as the Roman outpost of Vindabona. The city had an advantageous position along the Danube River, making it a crucial point for trade and military strategy. Fast forward to the Austro-Hungarian Empire in the 19th century, and Vienna emerged as a linchpin connecting Eastern and Western Europe, partly due to the river. As we delve into this discussion about connectivity, trade corridors and challenges, and the future of trade finance in Eastern Europe, we can certainly draw on inspiration from Vienna's ability to adapt and stay relevant across different areas. So I'm delighted to be joined by Aurel Benat, Executive Manager of FI and Investor Relations at Banco Transylvania Romania, Alexander Schur, Member of the Management Board of JSC Ukrexim Bank Ukraine, and Zenia Randonovic, Head of Documentary, Business Department at Eurobank, Direct Ad Biograd, Serbia. Welcome everyone to Trade Finance Talks. Let's start with a bit of a trade overview of Eastern Europe. Aurel, to start off with, how does Romania's geographic orientation shape its trade finance initiatives? Thanks very much for having me here. Well, I will start with uh, detailing a little bit about the Danube because uh, its final course is in Romania and afterwards it goes directly into the Black Sea. And starting from this point, you will obviously, at least you will feel that I'm um, extremely optimistic about uh, trade finance and everything what is happening uh, in Eastern Europe. Concerning Romania, we have uh, the country which grew the most its GDP over the last 20 years. The trade is increasing on a daily basis. We now reach to have around 300 billion euro GDP and more than 200 billion euro in trading. The single uh, thing that is, uh, well, let's say on the negative side relevant is that uh, we have a deficit of around 30 billion euro on an annual basis in 2022. But on the other hand, uh, starting with this year up to seven months from 2023, we are uh, in an equilibrium, meaning that uh, the imports went down and uh, the exports grew a lot. So from the trade finance point of view, getting back to your question, our position is extremely favorable. We have nowadays 
surrounding, in the surroundings of Romania, we have a lot of new opportunities, keeping in sight uh, the future reconstruction of Ukraine, uh, southern part of Europe, as well as uh, Serbia and the other uh, states around us, proud members of the EU and also of NATO. So I think from the trade finance point of view, everything looks delicious. Thank you very much. Alexander, let's talk about the Russia-Ukraine war, because obviously that was a topic we're discussing this time last year. I guess pre and during the war, how has Ukraine's trade and trade finance position changed? Oh, in pre-war time, it's obvious that Ukraine was a big trading country with export-oriented, with growing infrastructure for trade in terms of ports, airports, roads, storage facilities, and so on, with ambitions uh, to be a transit country between Europe and East. War actually has changed the uh, structure of the trade in Ukraine. It has changed dramatically logistical chains. And basically, it has impact on instruments with which we are, I mean, banking institutions are supporting our clients who engaged in the trade. So currently, situation is different, different in terms of volumes, different in terms of geography. We're more trading with Europe, less trading with Eastern countries. It's different in terms of products we import, in terms of products we export in. But in terms of trade finance, it continues to be important instrument to support trade. It's important to have ability to provide liquidity with trade finance instrument. It's important to have longer instruments and uh, definitely we will use it. And once war is finished, we'll come back to our ambitions on wider trade hub country. Thank you very much. And it's a key topic in terms of EBRD's support through the trade facilitation program. I think recently EBRD announced 1.2 billion euros, a record year of support into Ukraine. Let's talk about Serbia. Zenia, what role does Serbia's geographic position play in its trade finance operations? Thank you very much for having me here today. And of course, thank you for this nice intro. As my colleague already said, uh, the River Danube is definitely something which connects us all, since uh, this river also runs through our country as well. Speaking of geographical position, Serbia is a small country situated at the crossroads of uh, Central and Southeast Europe, covering the southern edges of uh, Pannonian Plain and Central Balkans. Speaking about figures, the overall external trade of Republic of Serbia from the period from January to July 2000. 23 amounted around 38.3 billion of euro, out of which 21.4 billion referred to imports, while 16.9 billion referred to export, with significant increase of uh, export in total external trade, which is quite important for our country for total external trade. Our major trade partner is definitely European Union with 60% of share, while second major partner are CFTA countries. Since main portion of trade is being done with uh, EU partners, as mentioned, and countries from the neighborhood, there's a significant portion of trusts that exist. Basically, shipments are mostly arranged based either on open account or on advance payments. Also, in Serbia, we have present a lot of branches of EU companies that are doing production in Serbia with further aim of further export of those products to their parent or sister companies located in EU. So in this regard, they do not need any financial instruments. The number of those companies has significantly risen in past 10 years, making important impact on increase of level of export in total external trade. 
Thank you very much. Now, let's talk more about the impact of trade flows on the Russia-Ukraine war. Well, Romania's got quite an interesting trading history, especially in terms of links to Western Europe. And I think you've got very interesting links to your neighboring countries. Have you noticed any changes in Romania's trade finance dynamics linked to the war? Yes, you're perfectly right that uh, Romania has some, uh, let's say, uniqueness in the region, meaning that, uh, for instance, uh, among our uh, main trade partners from our neighbors, Hungary is the largest. And afterwards, from our exports, for instance, 70% is uh, towards the European Union and only 30% is outside the European Union. Now, what changed during the last one and a half year is that what we are seeing is that uh, we have a pickup in the partnership with Ukraine. Perhaps you You've all seen the situation regarding to their grain exports and everything which are passing through Romania. So nowadays, uh, Constanza Harbor is extremely important for all the export that is uh, coming through Romania from Ukraine. So definitely, the region has changed from the trade finance point of view and from the trading point of view. And I think that going ahead on a medium to longer term, we will see this kind of relationship even more emphasizing. Because once again, what we discovered is that our traditional partnership weren't with all our neighboring countries. What I mentioned also um, during our panel was that internally in Romania we have capital buildup local capital building up, which is now searching for proxies in which to invest. And the probability, given by the recent situation, that investors will go in the neighboring countries of Romania is uh, even higher. So what we are expecting is trading to catch up more with our uh, neighboring countries. Thank you very much. Now, de-risking and the cutting of correspondent banking relationships, Alexander, is a real problem and a key theme when we're talking about Ukraine access to trade finance. Can you talk a bit about that from your perspective? The risking was problem before war. It didn't start for Ukraine with the war. It was a problem before, but there are reasons for that, which are not related to Ukraine, but generally to the regulation in the world, generally to compliance procedures and so on. But what I can say is that with the war, we experienced at the beginning some period of time when our correspondent banking were realizing the situation, trying to understand basically what is going on. But we never actually stopped uh, payments. We never stopped transactioning, whatever it costed us in terms of operational activity. It was quite difficult to execute and to work in the first several months. Our um, partner banks mostly were supporting us, maybe asking more questions, but in terms of transactioning, it was happening smoothly and we do thankful for that. But in general, the risking has a process in the banking system worldwide, of course, should be solved because correspondent banking is basis for transactioning, this basis for supporting trade. And the more we go to the risking, the less we're creating arguments for banks to support trade, which is actually, I don't think is right. Absolutely. And Zenia, very briefly, how has the war impacted Serbia's trade finance landscape, especially from a risk perspective? Domestic business is uh, highly energy import dependent, uh, since about 75% of required crude oil quantities are imported, out of which 20% from Russia, while uh, gas mainly imported from Russia, over 80%, which makes Serbia highly exposed to risk of supply interruption. Russian-Ukrainian conflict uh, has changed import preferences for oil and gas for many countries, not only 
production for Serbia, forcing us to import oil and gas from other suppliers, provoking significant cost increase, according to the conducted research made by our National Alliance for Economic Development. Also, the second main channel of the Ukrainian crisis is so-called imported inflation, like the energy prices rise and consequently the prices of goods and services in sectors that primarily use energy for its production. In order to mitigate these negative impacts, in past 12 months, our government adopted several uh, regulations with limited duration, focused primarily on capping the rise or freezing the prices of energy products or certain food products, reducing excise duties, limiting export of basic agri-food products, etc. Thank you very much. I guess whilst we're here, let's talk about multilateral support, specifically from the EBRD's trade facilitation and program, and also trade facilitation program by other multilaterals, because I think it's important to bring all of that into context. Or else, very briefly, what impact has EBRD's TFP had on your bank's trade finance operations? Well, here I should use only one word, which is uh, building up communities. I mean, it's extremely important, as uh, mentioned several times before our interview now, that um, what EBRD is emphasizing is the community of banks, of customers, and everybody to get in touch one with each other and uh, well make business together. So why I'm emphasizing on this is that usually in every exchange, you need customer, you need the bank, and the banks need each other. Now, what you are doing as uh, EBRD, what EBRD is doing is making this community viable, is able to work. So from our perspective, it is extremely important to have these kind of programs in place, also these kind of players. So overall, this is my personal impression regarding uh, what are the benefits of having this type of uh, programs. Thank you very much. Um, Alexander, multilaterals, IFIs, has the support been well received? How has it been received? Well, it's not surprising that in wartime, funds from IFIs are the mostly only abroad funds which uh, country receives if we speak about banking system or private sector and I can say that we I mean IFIs which had limits on us never stopped uh, transactioning we have access to EBRD TFP line we have access to IFC TFP line we also have uh, currently we're executing credit line with uh, World Bank which called access to long-term financing for exporters. So it's basically also dedicated to facilitation of trade. On top of that, we also have a European Investment Bank line, which again, uh, aim is to facilitate uh, trade between Ukraine and uh, Europe. All these uh, lines and instruments are available. And I believe that more to come, but not only from DFIs, we can see interest from ECAs of the world and a lot of efforts it is done to generate private capital money to come to the country. But this process is actually coming. Thank you very much. And Zenia, over to you, how has Eurobank leveraged EBRD's TFP to help optimize some of its trade finance services? Our bank is among key systemic financial institutions on our local market, which could be determined as pretty diversified, having in mind that a significant number of banks in comparison to the market size. And uh, according to official statistics provided by National Central Bank, currently there are around 20 banks that are operate on our market. In terms of trade finance, uh, we are primarily focused on guarantees and letters of credit, mainly for exporters. But we also provide import-export financing. And in this regard, we have a significant support provided by EBRD since we are for 80% 
ages members of TFP program with a constant high number of deals and uh, limited utilization. Of course, our corporation is also extended on uh, of balance uh, instruments as well, and especially when uh, our clients would like to establish cooperation with new suppliers when we usually act as an issuing bank. Of course, this cooperation is further extended on green deals and green transactions, having in mind that our bank supports green energy projects. We even want a prize for a green deal of the year given by EPRD. Aurel, Zanya, Alexander, thank you very much for joining me on this especially important program. I think building bridges is a key theme of this podcast and really focusing on risk and liquidity. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com.